Hey everyone, welcome back to Relish the Journey. As always, I am your host, Miles Biggs, and today we are joined by Glenn Frank, also known as Professor Frank. He's been a professor for decades, he's been a financial planner for decades, and he just published a book called Your Encore, How to Balance Time, Money, and Joy. He's got a website by the same name, timemoneyandjoy.com, and we're happy to have him on the show to talk all about retirement planning, financial planning, and how he figured out it's best if you lump it together with time and joy in addition to money. So, Glenn, thanks for being on the podcast today. Absolutely. Delighted to be here. Having some fun out there. Yeah. So, fun, right? You say fun. A lot of people don't think about the word fun when they think about retirement planning or financial planning. It's kind of that thing we groan about. We know we need to do, but it doesn't feel fun, but you bring joy into the mix. So I'd love to hear more about that. How did you stumble across the sort of the, the triangle here of time, money, and joy? Well, it's interesting. So I had a, a long-term client. She's a psychiatrist. And one day, this is probably 25 years ago, she walked in my office, she brought an article and it was entitled, um, if we are so rich, why aren't we happy? So hmm. it got me thinking and a marvelous study. And I've been keeping this happiness file for all these years. And I always try to, uh, no matter what the situation is, I always think it's a, it's, everything's a juggling act between time, money, joy. And, and what's finite is, is uh, time and money. And what's infinite is our desire to be happy. So it, it's a constant struggle, juggle. And, and, and I think if people actually stop and think about it and plan through it, and, and be very intentional about it, they're going to be happy. So where does the idea of it being an encore come in? You know, you've got Time, Money, and Joy in the subtitle of your book, but the title is Your Encore. So what's the thought process there? It's like you get a chance to to do it again if you figure that out? Well, you know, encore is the thing after your main act, you know, and hopefully they're cheering and having you come back on. And so there's, uh, you may not be aware, but there's a international encore movement going on. So we have this this 10,000 people a day are turning 65. We have a, a tremendous people in middle life now, which is probably age 50 to 75. And, and we're all trying to figure out what's next. What's our encore going to be? And that's my focus is to help people figure that out. Go beyond the money and actually think about what's going to make you happy, what's going to bring you purpose, passion, all those things. So uh, it, it's just been a natural migration of general financial planning to let's do the let's do what the clients really care about and what they really care about is maximizing the family's happiness it sounds trite but it's it's doable sure i love that phrase i've not heard that before uh, about it being called an encore but it makes sense i've often joked i don't think i'll ever truly retire even if i leave my day job you know i'll be doing something like this or something that like you said brings me joy uh and so it's it's a popular thing i guess huh that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And, and people, uh, it's, it's some of the things that the big takeaways are, um, you're probably not going to be happy unless you're helping somebody somehow, some way. And you're probably not going to be happy being sedentary in retirement or, or just hitting golf balls or putting around in the garden. You know, I think it has to be more substantial. So I think it's, it's, it's really an opportunity to, to be reborn and, that's what the, this Encore movement's about. And, and uh, uh, there's plenty of, of, of very productive years left after 50 or 60 or even 70 or 80. 
So it's, it's uh, very encouraging. So you spent decades as a professor, as a financial planner. So now as an author, is this your encore? Yeah, my encore is basically helping other people figure out theirs. So, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like it's, it's, it's too different than, than the, the focus of your program to some extent. It's just my focus is more my own generation, I guess. But it has universal applicability, I think. Absolutely. You know? Especially knowing that life expectancies are only increasing. And this, uh, even the retirement age, you see it inching away from 65 to 67 and who knows where it might go. I think it's something, that's something cool to plan for your encore in your 30s, right? Like this is, it doesn't have to be over completely, right? There is life beyond retirement. And so you can, I think, probably architect it a little bit better if you know that going into things versus retirement day, you look around and you have that now what moment, right? You, oh, you know absolutely. what, you know, you had the plan in place. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's kind of uh, money and, and time are kind of uh, uh, tools to an end game, I guess. And just really thinking it through and planning it through is, is really, again, pretty, uh, pretty universal. I know uh, a younger generation, uh, there's this guy, Mr. Money Mustache. And that sounds kind of strange. But basically, uh, what he's about is, he says, if you can save up 25 times your living expenses, you can do whatever you want. You can retire in your 30s. Obviously, that involves uh, some serious saving and a very austere lifestyle. But yes, it's, it's again, trade-offs. So if you can live in an austere fashion and still be happy, and that's definitely doable, happiness per dollar, then uh, it, it creates this, this financial freedom. So how do you coach people or teach people on that, right? They buy into this idea. They're listening. They're nodding their head. They like it. Where do they start? What's step one to figuring out time, money, joy, and your encore? Yeah, so we, we've got to kind of take a close look at it. It's just more fact gathering. I mean, people can go home and figure out their budget and, and kind of figure out how much money they need to accumulate to, to be work optional. You know, it's a mathematical calculation. And then we'll have people take a look at, at their, their cash outflows and kind of gauge this happiness per dollar. Now, almost invariably, if you take a close look at your cash outflows, you can figure out, well, I'm not really enjoying it. It's costing me a fortune. And, and this thing over here is free, you know, walk in the woods or whatever. So uh, people have these epiphanies that, uh, by God, I can I can spend less money and, and, and actually be happier. So you kind of have to take a look at, at uh, you know, the money. Uh, take a look at your calendar. You know, you know here's, here's a question. Are the yeses in your calendar? Yours or somebody else's. Hmm. I like that. You know, and, and uh, there's a whole book on, on no is a complete sentence kind of thing. So, you know, it's, so it's not time management. It's choice management and, and being intentional about it. Uh, and then I have this this uh, little cutesy thing called the, the joy matrix. So there are literally thousands and thousands of books about happiness and who's happy and why and da 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 da. And that's marvelous. But I have a very simple approach towards it. I call it the joy matrix. I figure everything in your life is something you got to do or you don't have to do. And everything in your life is something that puts a smile on your face or it doesn't. It might be neutral. So basically, you take all the stuff you do and actually all the people in your life and put them in the required or optional 
smile on your face or not. And then you start thinking through it. Well, why in the world would I do something that doesn't make me happy that's optional, for example? And it's just kind of a really being very thoughtful about um, everything you do and everything you're involved with and, and whether it, it's it's a plus or a minus for your, for your happiness. And just the, the exercise of documenting that and writing it down and you can go on my website and they got spreadsheets and everything's free there, by the way, uh, and kind of go through this. But it's not it's not rocket science. It's just self-awareness. Yeah. And I love what you said there about people as well. And your idea of are the yeses yours or somebody else's. When you think about time and you think about the time we spend worrying about what other people think about us or hanging out with, quote unquote, friends who when you're done hanging out with them, you get back home. And you just complain about the fact that you've hung out with them, right? You know, it's like, why are we doing this? It's happiness per dollar, but also happiness per hour or second, oh, right? Absolutely. That there's only so much of that. Absolutely. You know, you got some folks, uh, sadly, they're, they're energy vampires, you know? Yeah. And, and are they required people? You know, you got to hang with them. They're your boss or something. Or, or, or are they optional? Well, if they're optional either uh, turn them around or uh, move on. What do they say the uh, uh, sign of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Yep. So the people who don't put a smile on your face, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's you. Maybe you need to do something different. Maybe you need to bring the best out of them. So it's, it's uh, again, some, some real self-awareness. And, and uh, another fascinating aspect of this is, is how our mind works from a fairly uh, neurological perspective. Uh, that's another thing we do with the Joy Matrix is we uh, have people observe themselves and see what neurochemicals come out of them and what which ones don't. For example, uh, stress is not a good thing, you know? And so observe yourself, what's driving your stress? And, and can you change that behavior in some fashion? Or what, what's giving you the, uh, you know, you, you hug your kid or your dog or whatever, you get a little shot of oxytocin. You know, and, and just so there's there's a neurochemical, physical aspect to it that people aren't aware of that, that they should be. Or, yeah, I agree with you. They're either not aware of it and they should be or they are aware of it, but it's easier to place the blame externally for their problems and why they're not happy or they're not making enough money. It's harder to do what you're talking about and be that self-aware and take ownership of these things and then put in the work to make the changes because it's one thing to write it down in your matrix it's another to then have these conversations with people that have been in your life for maybe years and say, I, I you know, I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. Right. Or I'm not going to do this job anymore. And that's actually putting it into practice can be hard. And I think that's why most people don't do it is because they look in the mirror and then they're like, Ooh, I have to do that now. And it's, it can be scary. And so they, they choose what they know versus the unknown, even if the unknown can end up being better for them. Well, that's, that's a great point. You know, self-awareness is only the first step, and then it's actually changing habits and changing behaviors. Uh, and then actually on my, my website, I've got some of my favorite TED Talks on changing habits and that sort of thing. But uh, it's just as silly as I, when I, you know, I, I used to hate exercise and weightlifting and da-da-da. And, and it's, as stupid, it's as silly as I smile when I, when I lift weights. And do I love it? No, but I don't hate it anymore. So they're just these minor little tweaks because I know that smiling induces some some positive neuro, neurochemicals. So, but yeah, and and changing major relationships isn't easy to do. I don't want to minimize that, 
but there are there are ways and and there are you can make progress and, and baby steps and all that sort of thing just a little progress every day absolutely and i think that's the other thing most people this is something i talk about all the time so people that listen to me are rolling their eyes right now glenn they're like here he goes again on his <laughs> soapbox but you know you've heard prior you've probably heard this phrase you know it's all about getting one percent better every day when you try to go from like zero to 100% different all at once, sure, maybe you'll get there, but it's very often not sustainable. But if you just get a little bit better every single day, then at the end of the year, you're 365% better than you were on January 1, you know? <laughs> and But it's not sexy to talk about that. Right? Like everything you're saying, it's it's simple. And I think that's why it's impactful, but it's also probably why people don't do it because they're everyone's chasing that easy button versus well, just show up so, and put in the work every day, you know? Yeah, you're right. The, the easy button is, is huge. We have a, uh, in my office, we started an accountability club this year. You know, January 1st, people, uh, some people still make resolutions. They don't keep them by February. So this year we decided to have an accountability club. So everyone who joined the club would would kind of tell the other other members kind of what our plans were to lose weight or whatever, meditate or whatever case may be. And then every two weeks, we, we all get together and give each other crap if, if we didn't do what we said we'd do. <laughs> nice. Thing. Yeah, so these little these little tweaks. But you're right. You know, it's, it's, it's got to be baby steps or it's not going to happen. Yeah, and you said writing it down and telling somebody. Both of those things are huge in manifesting it to actually happen, right? We actually, it's like when you ride your bike. Right. If you are want to go straight, but you start looking over your right hand shoulder, all of a sudden the bike's gonna start veering over to the right. Like we go where our attention goes and we create what we focus on. So by using your tools, you know, shout out timemoneyenjoy.com, right? Where they're free, then that's the first step. You write it down, you can start to actually make it a real thing in the world when you put it on a piece of paper versus bouncing around your head as just something you can get around to one day. You know, today can be that one day. Yeah, no, that, exactly. And so, I've, uh, you know, the book is is uh, is a great starting point. I have uh, we'll have webinars where we have a, a session introduction to the topics and then a follow up homework in between and two weeks later and then a six month check in kind of thing. And and, uh, and people know it's coming. So, again, there's an accountability component to it. But but, it, it, you know, the motivation does have to largely come from within and. Uh, and it's really tough. I mean, there, there's some interesting stats on your brain that you may or may not be aware of. Uh, the average human has about 50,000 thought, 50, thoughts a day and, and probably over 90, 95 percent of the same ones they had the day before. Hmm. And and uh, and 80 percent of them are negative. That's really interesting. Uh, it, it's it's crazy. We keep thinking the same damn thing over and over again. It's more often than not negative. So. I'm kind of big into uh, meditation and, and with meditation, you're, you're kind of, you see that negative thought come in, you just let it go to hell with it and, and, uh, uh, change the channel to a positive thought. You know, again, that I'm making it sound simpler than it actually is, but, uh, understanding your brain is, is, is big and, and things like meditation and, uh, finding purpose in life, you're going to live longer. I mean, it's absolutely documented in both cases you're going to have a longer life, not just a better life, but a longer life. I, I agree with you. And what I'm picking up here is that, you know, you spent much of your career as a professor 
and a financial planner. I'm assuming you were teaching. Were you teaching something finance related as well? Well, no, I, I was actually, I, I was the founding director for a master's program in financial planning. Oh, that's neat. Okay. So that was, been teaching at the university level for over 30 years. Now I teach a lot of, uh, I till, still teach advisors. I do a lot of uh, uh, public service things, sure. uh, aging groups, et cetera, et cetera. I've been an educator forever. And uh, this is my latest thing. And, and there's, what do they say? There's no better way to uh, learn something than to teach it. <laughs> so, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And where I was going with that is, so you, much of your career was focused on the finance side of things. But now what we've been talking about, and you used the phrase before, retirement planning, what I think is, is neat to note here is that it's not financial planning, it's retirement planning. Somewhere along your line, you made the switch from just you know finance and the money side to the holistic retirement is your money, your time, and your joy. And you're talking about things like meditation and taking care of your physical health. And I really think that's cool. And it just clicked for me. It seems so obvious, but it clicked in this conversation that to have a great retirement, you really do need all three of those things. You can have all the money in the world, but not have your physical health and be anxiety ridden or have you know depression from all the stuff you've been let, all those 80,000 thoughts every day that are just piling up in your brain that it's not enjoyable. You don't have joy in your retirement or in your encore. And so I think that's really neat in this conversation about planning for retirement. You hear a lot focused on the 401k and the finance side. And I love that you're bringing in these other aspects to the conversation. Well, thank you. And, and yeah, it's, it's really about retirement life. And I don't even like the word retirement. I mean, I just, I've got no interest whatsoever in retiring myself and I'm 65, you know, so it just, it's just, I'm not going to wave any white flags. I'm, I'm having hell of a good time. I'm not going to stop. Sure. Uh, and, and there's a lot of other people that feel the same way. So yeah, it, it's, and it's, uh, I've had too many situations where, uh, people only focused in on the money, then they retired, and and they weren't really happy at all. I mean, if if you don't have purpose, you know, you're you're going to struggle. And 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 again, uh, if you're not helping other people, which is which is a large definition of purpose, again, you're probably not going to be happy. You don't have to, you know, join the Peace Corps, but uh, helping family, neighbors, holding the door for somebody you know, uh, mentoring younger people at work, all these sorts of things, really, that's, that's where the positive neurochemicals kick in. Yeah, you just got to be more thoughtful about it. And, and uh, you know, it, it's always about planning. And just let's, uh, let's shift to some of these, people like the numbers, because they're very tangible, and they add up and whatever. But again, that's not what really matters. And I think we all know that. So I think I have an idea what your three words are going to be, but I'm going to ask you anyway, Glenn. <laughs> how would you describe? And let's see your process uh, of, um, you know, making the shift from financial planning to retirement planning, and this whole journey you've been on from professor and teacher to you know professional and now author, right? There, you've done a lot, and you still have more in your encore, like you've been saying. So how would you summarize it if you could only use three words? Well, you know, I think we're uh, time, money, joy, of course. Uh, that, that's what it is. And it's just, uh, again, being aware of it and, uh, working through it, being thoughtful and, uh, patient and step-by-step step and et cetera, et cetera. I love it. I'm bought in. Well, oh, maybe one last plug here. So this, this, it's all one well and good to be self-aware and kind of think through. The problem is once you retire, there's just thousands of things you could do differently. You don't know what to do. 
So if you're not self-aware, you really can't take that next step. Once you are self-aware and understand if you need to make money and if you're going to have time or not and what makes you happy, there are phenomenal organizations out there. And Encore.org is one of those organizations. It's a nonprofit. So one last plug there. That's great. That's a good resource for folks. And so where people can find you, right? I'll let you tell it. Where can they find the book? Where can they find your resources in addition to the one you just gave? Oh, thank you. So uh, yeah, it's going to Amazon. Uh, type in Glenn with two N's, Frank, and my book will pop up, Your Encore. Go to my website, timemoneyjoy.com. Lots of uh, all my favorite TED Talks and all sorts of free resources and uh, uh, maybe take a webinar. Great. Well, hey, I appreciate your time. I'm going to let you get back to your money and joy. See what I did there? All right. Well, no, you're, you're doing cool stuff too. So uh, uh, cool. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Relish the Journey. Very special thank you to Mr. Glenn Frank for being our guest today. And thanks again to all of you for listening. As always, you can get all the Relish the Journey you could ever hope for by hitting that subscribe button. Until next time, everybody, cheers. Cheers.